Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are just finishing up day one here at All Things Open here in Raleigh. Um, and, you know, we, we've been trying to hit on a bunch of different topics that we don't always cover uh, on a day-to-day basis or week-to-week basis uh, for the podcast. So today we're, we're lucky. A um, couple of different things that we're going to cover in this one. Uh, very lucky to have uh, Heather Shapiro, who's from the uh, developer evangelist, uh, technical evangelist team at Microsoft. Yep. So good to have the folks from Microsoft back on. You are presenting on data visualization and trying to make it interesting and big data. Tell us about your talk. Yeah, so my talk is an end to boring data using visualizations. Um, so I'm focusing in Python. Um, it's one of the easier languages that you can use for data science, um, similar to R, but uh, has, I think, a lot more interactivity for graphs that you can do. Um, so focus on my journey, I guess, as I was trying to find um, different uh, libraries that you can use. And so my background was in R, um, so switching over to Python, uh, just it's faster, uh, fa- faster um, and is easier for me personally. So my journey of like which libraries I like, which libraries were really difficult yeah. and didn't like. So we had some folks, um, we, had some, we had Melissa from Fidelity who uh, was giving us her journey. She is in the data science group for Fidelity, the, the big uh, investment company. But she was saying, you know, her world sort of started back before they called it data science. It was, you know, it was in astronomy and science. Give us a little bit of your background and what's drawn you to this space. Yeah, so I just graduated from Duke, so down the road, uh, last year, so 2015, um, and I studied computer science and statistics. Um, My focus was more so on the statistics side, uh, trying to do analytics, um, and I've always kind of really liked numbers Mm -hmm. uh, ever since I was little, so analyzing, just making sense of data. Um, I guess I'm a nerd that way. Now, most people don't like to do the data munging, but that's actually one of my favorite things. Um, So that was, I started there and now I'm focusing a lot in machine learning, data science at Microsoft. Okay, cool. So give us the basics. Um, Tell us about the the developer team, uh, that sort of developer evangelist team. What, what, What are you focused on? Is it entirely data science? Is it really about what Microsoft's doing in the cloud? Give us a sense of who you're talking to, what you're talking about. Yeah, so um, I like to say we're geeks who speak. That's what a lot of people on our team will call us. So we're developers, but we don't have a specific product. Uh, So we go in, we'll create demos, workshops that we can then deliver to students, startups, uh, developers in the community, Mm -hmm. just to teach them about technology in general. So it doesn't always have to be Microsoft-focused. So Python is a good example. It's just open source. Um, But there are a lot of resources that we have at Microsoft that are incorporating Python now. So you can run Python scripts on Azure notebooks. You can run them in Azure machine learning. So my talk isn't necessarily a Microsoft pitch. It's just like the components that I use um, can be used with Microsoft products. Right, right. No, it makes sense. And, and, and nowadays kind of trying to define Microsoft is a little trickier because it's not, it's not just Windows. It's not proprietary software. It's, I mean, you're here at All Things Open. It's, it's open source software. It's community-based stuff. Um, give me a sense. So you're just getting out of school you know, a year or so ago. Uh, how much was was Microsoft a part of sort of your computing experience growing up over the last I don't know say ten years because it's it's changed a lot hasn't it Yeah for sure um, so I guess growing up before college I always had a PC at home mm-hmm. um, so that was my background there but then in college I switched to a Mac um, and a lot of people at work actually do use Mac so 
there's not really any competition yeah. there. Like I have an Android phone. It's not really that right, right. that big of a deal. Like, yeah, um, no, it's definitely a different Microsoft these days. Exactly. So I came in um, mostly doing like a lot of Mac, um, iOS stuff okay. because I guess in schools um, when I was there, there wasn't that much Windows, uh, Windows or Microsoft Focus, um, which we're trying to like change now. Yeah. Obviously, because we're open source, Windows 10, sure. um, everything. So I started at a good time because it was right like a month before Windows 10 came out um, and this whole new Microsoft. And so it was a very good time to start with the company because everyone's perceptions started changing. And even just in the year, so I go to a lot of hackathons. Mm -hmm. Um, Last year, a lot of people were like, "Mm, we don't necessarily want to know what you're doing. But now everyone, that we have these uh, computer vision APIs, bot frameworks, it's uh, all open and people are really willing to use them and like excited about it yeah so for a while if you if you told somebody they did big data and they thought about microsoft it was excel and if they did visualization it was powerpoint and i don't i kind of don't mean that jokingly like you a lot of people would say like look most of our data analysis is done in those tools like what's what's the modern so you're talking about you know taking data not making it boring visualizing it like what's the modern microsoft approach to that um so i guess right now it's well it's very open to mm-hmm. but we're working Mostly with like Power BI for visualization, so okay. there aren't that many tools right now with Microsoft for visualizations. So things like that, um, we are lacking a little, but uh-huh. hopefully in the future. Right. Um, but things like Power BI is good for the consumer or customer that they can then put reports together that you can then bring in D3. You can then bring in all these outside um, components. So I think right now the focus is like let's create a product and bring in. Okay. Uh, I think Satya always says like co-opetition, which I thought was really interesting. So I actually, um, when I was introduced to Microsoft at Grace Hopper a few years ago, yep. um, he spoke there and he talked a lot about co-opetition and how we shouldn't be coll- we shouldn't be competitive with other companies. We should be collaborating with them. Right. Um, and that really uh, spoke to me a lot. Of yeah. Let's let's use what other people are making and make it better or make new products. Yeah, and I mean, we were talking before we started recording, you were saying a lot of the times you're out talking to, say, university students and doing hackathons and, talk, and, and using things like Azure Machine Learning, some of these, uh, the Vision API, you know, the, you know like, wh- where do those fit in? I mean, do people, like, those are, that's powerful concepts. It's, you know, years and years of PhDs sort of put into a service. Like, do people grasp what's available to them today? I mean, are you just having to help them understand concepts or are they, you know, you, you unleash these things and they go wild with it? Um, I guess it depends on the group that we're talking sure, to. Sure. So for students that have never looked into it, um, <clears throat> excuse me, like statistics before, mm-hmm. if you bring them to Azure Machine Learning, they're kind of overwhelmed. They're right. like, so Azure Machine Learning is a great tool that you can just use drag and drop and you don't have to know any statistics. You don't really have to know how to code. Right. You just have to know the the process and you can try all these different algorithms so in that sense it's easy for them to pick it up because you don't really have to know anything um and are there do you walk them through sort of samples are there sample data sets or are there games around it you know things yeah there's tons of sample data sets um i actually did uh, a course last year for like middle school and high school students that was online um intro to data science and then intro to azure machine learning Mm -hmm. um and the data set we used was from kaggle uh so that's a open um, data data competition site. So we had one um, for the Titanic. So if you can predict whether or not someone would survive or not. Um, So that's always an interesting one because it's people recognize the movie, the songs, um, and at least it's somewhat relatable and it's not 
too controversial and different things. Yeah, so. yeah. No, that's cool. That's very cool. So, um, so you're doing that. You're talking to – you're getting people excited about just data science in general, obviously where Microsoft wants to go with that. Um, like we said, you know, you just graduated. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll date myself. I've been doing this stuff for about 20 years. And I, w- I was sort of telling you, like, right now our industry is kind of at an inflection point. So all of the sort of industry rules have sort of changed. Um, you don't have vendors that just sell one thing. You can buy from the cloud. There's open source. There's all these things that are different. You're coming into this brand new. Like, what's your, you know, you open your eyes. Like, what does the tech industry look like to you right now? Um, well, I think, especially for my role, it's very interesting to see younger mm-hmm. people uh, being brought in as evangelists. Um, traditionally, it's the older white male. Sure. Um, and on, I think on one of my first days, that's what someone told me. They're like, you are not the traditional evangelist. Like, you will have to work hard to gain everyone's trust in the community because I don't have as much experience. Right. Um, so to evangelize something when I don't necessarily have all the product projects um, is hard. But that the perks of this job is that I can now go through and like look at the things that are interesting to me and then make demos projects like I did one on Perez Hilton um, doing sentiment analysis on his tweets so it's not necessarily something that other people would be interested in but I could put my passions um, towards like well and and where maybe you lack in in pure experience from a year's perspective you've got uh, you know, you've you've got to connect this to to new people that are trying to learn stuff as well. So there's a there's a shared experience of being like, I mean, you you may be better off because you're just five minutes smarter than somebody else, but you've you've gotten that that in there, and and that's. I mean, I'll say this: like looking through the the set of people that are here for this conference, looking through the agenda, Microsoft has has a number of people from your team that are all female, which is you guys should be very much commended for that. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, I didn't you know, know that when I started of, yeah. or like before I came in, I was like, oh my gosh, like most of our a lot of our team is our women. I don't know, maybe we're better speakers. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but it's just a very interesting dynamic, and it's great to see. So good to see that with like age they're not discriminating and uh, gender because yeah. you well, never and, know and that's got to make it easier for you just shared experience with people you don't have to feel like intimidated or you know when when should i speak up or anything like that and um so let, let's flip that over and, and let's not make this a microsoft thing but you're new into the workplace yes uh, everyone wants to talk about millennials and how do we like give me a sense what, what what do you see in the workplace that you know, just sort of makes sense to you and what stuff do people do, do companies do granted your, your sample size is small, but like that you just go like, why in the world do you do that? Like what's wrong with you people? This is slow and boring and whatever. Um, so I guess one thing that I've had a lot of challenge with is work-life balance, um, as a new hire. So in college, it was always like, I'm doing work and then when I'm done, I'm done. And now I'm traveling a lot. So it's hard to get that balance of when to say no, when to say yes. Um, especially being new, you want to impress everyone. And I've always been like, I guess that overachiever, um, trying to like do as much as I can to like get to that next level. Um, so finding that balance has been challenging for me just because, you get praised for doing more work, right? Right. right so right. Yeah, if, where, where, does the, where does the loop end? Exactly. And, you know. So if I didn't work a weekend and someone else did, then they're going to be commended for working that weekend. Mm-hmm. So that's been the biggest challenge. Um, and I think also being younger is mm-hmm. also a challenge for that because other people who are older who might have kids, um, I've found that sometimes they're like, wait, you don't have that. You don't have children. Like, don't you have more time? And like, That's right. You have like, higher wait. expectations because of, yeah, exactly. They're like, well, you have tons of time now because you're young. And I'm like, well, I still have a life or I, I want to have a life. Still have like family friends that I want to see. So that's been really hard. Yeah. Um, and in the second year that I'm going through, it's been easier. Um, but that those first few months I was 
like saying yes to everything right. just because I yeah you feel like you have to you when have you're trying to. to make a career out of it obviously you you know sort of high performance person you went to Duke you're at Microsoft I mean they recruited you for a reason and um, so we get a lot of folks uh, on the show who will have kids mm-hmm. and and they're looking at the world and they're going uh, like I'll take myself for example like you know first job was I had ran a paper route. Well, newspapers don't exist anymore. I mean, for the most part, like, so there are literally, like, literally like jobs in industries that don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, data is a big part of kind of every industry these days. And whether it's, you know, uh, you know, people, you know, I used the analogy this morning, like, Hey, it's my fantasy football team. Like they're comfortable with data. Um, but it's still complicated. Right. Um, let's suppose you're talking to that, that middle school kid who might be one of our, the daughters of our listeners or something like yep. walk us through like how you, help them, you know, not only kind of understand the basics of this, but, but kind of get them passionate about it, right? Like it's, you're kind of doing part educator, part teacher, and you want to inspire them to go like, that thing I learned from Heather makes you want to go learn something else. Like walk me through a little bit of that, that cycle. Yeah. So that was a challenging part Mm -hmm. of, um, of teaching just because I, I taught in like East Harlem last year, um, underprivileged school. So they didn't necessarily have like computers, internet, um, so that I had to, like, come back and, like, rechange everything to make it interesting for them. Um, So that is one of the more difficult things is you have to keep them constantly engaged, um, keep giving them motivation. So one thing that I've found... Um, that I don't necessarily like in schooling mm-hmm. is that we teach people that like you need to get a hundred. Okay. Um, and one of my professors who I actually spoke to today, she has always viewed it that in, if you get an 80, you shouldn't be told that like you got 20% wrong. You should be told you got 80% right, right. of a new topic. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's more encouraging. Even like when you're grading tests, instead of doing minus doing a plus, um, like you got so five start, points start here. Start from zero and move up. And, exactly. Yeah. So um, giving them that encouragement that they can actually do it uh, is very important, especially w- with the middle schoolers. Like some of them didn't necessarily know um, the math skills, so teaching them mean, median, mode, and just like telling them like, oh, let's try it again. Working with them and not telling them why would why are you doing it that way? You don't know anything. Right. Was um, it was a learning experience, but it's totally necessary once I started doing that and started um, walking them through the problems and just being more open to letting them fail Mm -hmm. um, and not necessarily like caring that they fail. um, It's a good learning process for them. And it was for me too. Yeah. No, it's interesting because I think, you know, back in the day people would have said, well, you know, that approach you're, you're just sort of giving kids the the easy path, right? Oh, you can made 80. It's good enough, whatever. I think nowadays, like, you know, and I don't know for sure, but, but like, you're going to go through a lot of different jobs. Like, yep. you know, I remember, and this used to blow me away, but people used to say, well, my parents would have had one or two jobs in their life, but like one career, they would have spent mm-hmm. their life in an industry. 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it was. And, and, and my generation, they said like, you will have, I don't know, 30, 40 jobs and like three or four careers and, and thinking, you know, putting that percent. But I think in your generation, you guys are going to find that things move so fast in just a couple of years that you have to be good at learning. And part of learning is knowing how to fail, learning how to, not being afraid to take on something new. That little analogy you made makes a lot of sense, especially just given the, what people are going to walk into. You know, you, you don't know how long an industry is going to last. You don't know how long a company is going to last. Um, you may be interested in doing something else. And, um, you know, and now that data makes so many more decisions, you have far less sort of gut feel and more of like, we can be pretty precise about what's going to happen. And when that happens, now you have like far less fluff. Things get more efficient and things Exactly. Now faster. numbers rule everything because you have the access to them. Yeah. And it's also teaching them that like um, 
to admit if they're if they need help. Yeah. Uh, because that was one of my challenges in school was I was taking four comp sci math classes at a time. No, no other classes mm-hmm. um, besides like qualitative or quantitative. Sorry. And I was like, I'm not that great at linear algebra. I'm going to need help. I, I need a tutor. Um, and it's, they teach you to be like embarrassed by asking for help. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me, that was so helpful to be able to be like, okay, well, I don't want to fail my other classes. If I get help here, then I can do better in those. And then in the end it's a win-win. Yeah. And it's interesting because you, you highlight something that I sat in one of the sessions today. It was talking about open communities and so forth. And, And one of the things that jumped out at me was everything that they preach about open communities is almost the complete opposite of what you get in school, which is, you know, you don't always want to ask for help. You, you know, you don't want to fail. You don't want to think about failing. You don't want to turn things in sort of half done. And in the open communities, it's, I can ask questions. I can go find things. I can, you know, I can use stack overflow. I can use core. I I can get help. help. I can get help and it's okay. And, um, so yeah, there is a lot of sort of unwinding your brain for what school kind of programs for you you know sort of take the what's learned but maybe some of the behaviors you, you have to change a little bit interesting and i guess you also need you in one sense you do need that discipline of mm-hmm. doing it yourself so yeah. that once you actually have to Get go in into the community, yeah go in the real world if you have to do it mm-hmm. um then you can but also i guess you learn that the things that you do need to to know. So, so if you don't go through that learning process, you won't know what you're missing, I guess. Yeah. You almost have to learn how to learn more than you have to learn the answer. Cause exactly. Google, yeah. Google's got an answer for something. You just got to know how to go find it. And exactly. It or, and apply it and, or that that's a topic. So there, right. there are so many topics here that I'm like, I didn't even know that term existed. Uh, now I know and I can go look into it. But um, if I didn't have that discipline of like wanting to learn yeah. um, and always trying to like, yeah, learn a new topic that would be Right over my head. What's um, what's obviously you're, you're giving a lot of talks. You're talking to different audiences and so forth. What are some of the most frequent questions you get? You know, you finish your talk. Someone comes up and like, where's people's heads these days around data, big data, you know, analytics, visualization? Well, the most frequent question is, what is a tech evangelist? <laughs> yeah. Evangelist is just like a weird title. You're like, yeah, it sounds like an interesting job. You just fly around and talk. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You're like, oh, what are you evangelizing? Like yeah. technology? Yeah. Um, most questions are mainly like how can they contribute what kind of projects can they find um that they can work on or demos so most of my talks are like showing you how to do something Uh um so here's a sample code you can now go back and do it on your own um so walking them through that process and then making it super easy for them to pick it up and put their own code in or put their own data set in and they just have to read just rewrite the names and something like that. Yeah, cut, paste, and fix. Exactly. So yeah. um, it makes it, those are the main questions that I'll get, is just okay. how can how can they contribute, what are, I guess, the resources that everyone's really interested in learning. So that's always good. Yeah. And um, right now, like, the huge push is, I guess, for, like, the computer vision and bots. Okay. Um, that's been really interesting, especially to students. Because um, if you're at a hackathon, it's something that is eye-popping that you could make. Right. Um, so that's been really, uh, there have been a lot of questions about that. Okay. So uh, have you reached a point yet where, I mean, and this might just be the audience that you talk to, like, 
are they connecting it to, to business type problems yet or is this still a lot of learning, figure out the technology, do something interesting with it, and when they get into jobs and industry, they'll apply it to whatever their, their specific markets might be? For students, it's mostly learning in general, so that's yeah. why it doesn't have to be Microsoft-specific. Yeah, 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 it's let's teach you how to learn um, and to get you excited about learning, yep. um, about technology in general, so especially for women, um, just getting them excited, knowing that there are so many options, so we do a lot with like women who code, girls who code, oh, um, so that and do workshops with them, teaching them that, like, okay, look, you can do this. You have two women developers, like, teaching you how to do it. So that's always a good yeah. motivation for them when they, see, when they see women are actually doing it. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing. But when, I guess when it's more community members, if I'm at meetups, then it really depends on who's there. Yeah. Let me ask you one last one because I know you've got a schedule. And we're busy. Uh, you talked about sort of um, making women comfortable, which is mm-hmm. great, um, you know, getting them – not afraid of math, not afraid of science. Do you find there are sort of women-centric communities? I mean, is it do you, like is that happening where it's like, look, this is this is a safe space. This is sort of a, a women's only, not not women's only, but sort of women-driven thing, so that people reach a level of confidence before they jump in. Or how, how is that dynamic kind of work in the communities? Um, it seems that it's the other way. So it's find the find the passion in technology and then let's find all the women who are doing it as opposed to let's get a group of women together and then then push them towards something. Um, So there are tons of those communities around. Like last week I was at Grace Hopper Mm -hmm. um, speaking there. So just seeing all the community like come together and what everyone is doing is a, is so inspiring just because you have people at all different levels. You have the students who are freshmen that are like, I don't know, doing mind-blowing things. And right. then you have the senior-level people who've worked their way all the way up, and they've had um, probably more adversity than – had to face more adversity than we have sure. um, just because that's how the industry has changed. So it's different per community, but for the most part it's been after we come into the community, like let's find that group and feel more comfortable. So there definitely are those. Yeah. Um, and I definitely – I float to them more, I guess, but at the same time, um, I definitely don't want to be, I don't want to be highly regarded because I'm a woman, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to be pigeonholed, but but you you do want to, no, and I think it's going to be interesting because I I think we're going to see a generation of companies, um, your your age will sort of be starting this, where we'll see female-led companies that are going to go become the next, I don't know, maybe not as big as Facebook, just because Facebook's in order, but I mean... That they couldn't become the next Facebook. They couldn't become the next uh, doing whatever. You exactly. Know, pro- All yeah. these entrepreneurs and, who could be doing anything. Yeah, and, and and they'll be led by women, right? So it won't just be people going like, oh, well, look at Sheryl Sandberg or mm-hmm. look at some – it'll be that company – you know, not only did they do awesome stuff, but oh, by the way, uh, they're all made, driven by women. They've created this unique culture because of you know just a different perspective on things. Maybe yep. it'll be around design. Maybe it'll be around whatever. Um, no, that's going to be very, very interesting to watch because I think these movements like like Girls Who Code and and all those things are are going to begin to we're going to see if you know, kind of a you know flowering thousand buds that flower that's going to come out of all this and, and start to get ex- girls excited and i think it's it's cool that you're well that's not your only thing that you're driving that you recognize that yeah. that's important and- it's hard to find that balance though because you do i want to be able to contribute back to that community but at the same time i don't want to be known just for being in that community. you want to be a great engineer you exactly it doesn't matter have it hold up against anything yep um, exactly i just want to be very technical and anyone could ask me it doesn't yeah, matter yeah. um but then you still want to give back and encourage uh, girls to start doing more uh, science quantitative uh, fields because it's not 
Yeah, I mean, data is going to play a role in, in everything, whether it's marketing or farming or you exactly, know, it's everywhere. Or everywhere. Yeah, yeah, you can yeah. you you need data for everything. Um, so just learning how you can use it and having those classes when you're. Um, when you're younger, even so for the class that we put out last year, there was, there was a kindergarten class that did it. Oh, wow. Um, I don't know how far they got, but they still signed up for it. Um, yeah, and yeah. that was awesome to see, like the teachers are pushing them. They, it's probably really over their head, but just showing just, them that they're interested. Yeah. Making numbers, not scary. You know, exactly. Yeah. Early and and uh, no, that's very, very cool. So, uh, Heather Shapiro, thank you so much for being on today. Yeah, uh, thank you. Good luck in your talk tomorrow. And, thank you. uh, hopefully we will, follow up with you in the in the coming years and see where you're going and see where Microsoft's going. Thank you so much for, for being on today, folks. We're going to wrap it up here for day one at All Things Open, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow with a number of other guests. But thanks for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 